0: Yes, it is that lovely time of the week when I sit down to write this week's script. Normally, I start by telling you the date, so let's get that out of the way. It is currently the 6th of June, 2020. And for most of us in the UK, we are past the 100 days of lurgy lockdown milestone. Our quarantine looks like it's going to continue for quite a very long time due to the awful way our country is messing this up. Now, a quick fact, so we don't get too sidetracked into a political diatribe about how useless our Prime Minister Dominic Cummings is, the word quarantine comes from the word meaning 40. We knew we had to isolate for 40 days to be safe, so we knew more about contagious diseases hundreds of years ago than a Tory government does now. I'm currently sorting out some press releases and publicity for a bunch of ghost hunts that are supposed to be happening in October theatres, but this week we are told access to theatres may not happen now until 2021. By which time, most will have gone into receivership anyway, so access to haunted theatres may be very difficult soon. This may, however, free up some more wall space for racists to spray paint slogans full of spelling mistakes. Yes, I know my books are full of typos and spelling mistakes, but they are not racist. About 50 metres from my front door is a white wall with the phrases All Life's Matter. Now that's spelled L-I-F-E apostrophe S. Which, as far as I'm concerned, is either a bad attempt at belittling the Black Lives Matter movement, or they're just being lifest against ghosts and spooks. Or, possibly, uh, trying to start an existential conversation about all matter. In which case, do they mean living matter, or matter in life? Do they mean human existence and its experience of life? Do they exclude non-living matter, or, more likely, they're just a racist ignoring the worldwide movement highlighting racism against other humans that happen to have a different shade of skin colour I normally follow the date with the latest disaster that's happening in lurgy news that affects our prospects of ghost hunting, well as we heard there, there is a distinct probability of some theatres closing down very soon, but that also affects lots of haunted pubs as they're about to open and cause a rise in cases and death in the staff where I live locally, uh, a, a haunted pub near me is not opening back up because the landlord died from Covid after the Cheltenham races. Their pub is very close to the racecourse and was rather busy that week. Also you might find it very difficult to investigate beaches and beauty spots soon as idiots flocked in their thousands to beaches and pretty much took all their household rubbish with them at the same time. And due to public toilets and facilities not being open, also left a large amount of substances that were previously inside them. So let's try and avoid beaches, beauty spots, bars, theatres and people this week as we head into the haunted wilderness that is known as Beaconsfield, Buckinghamshire. I know Beaconsfield is not exactly a haunted wasteland. It is, however, the most convenient motorway services when I have to travel to London and is one of the few motorway services that has a bar. But I digress, as we are actually looking for another road, not a motorway, as they are notoriously difficult to spend the night investigating them. Instead, let's find the road towards Beaconsfield from Gerrard's Cross. This one has reports dating back to the 20s, yet it's been heard since. uh, Back in the early 19th century, there was a horse and cart accident, and this is seen, but mostly heard. Still, to this day, happening again and again, or at least the sound of the horse and cart can be heard trotting along. Obviously, this one has less and less reports nowadays due to noise pollution. But I am hoping, with the reduced Covid traffic, that we get more and more auditory reports coming to light in the next few months. Now... Back into the car as we drive south to the beautiful surroundings of Beaminster, Dorset. That's B E A M I N S T E R. May I suggest that you try and affect a Dorset accent, as right now, being a tourist in Dorset is not exactly popular with the locals. And unsurprisingly so. Feel free to try and find a beach, then wade through the tons of rubbish and fecal matter that are being dumped onto our beaches by townies and city folk, escaping their inner city prisons for the day. In Beaminster, we have another coach and horse's ghost, and the legend is that he drives along the lane leading to Stoke Abbot from Beaminster. It is apparently the ghost of a wicked landowner, cursed to walk the earth. Although... What the horse did to suffer such a curse we will not know. Perhaps he was an evil horse hiding all the hay from the other horses and eating all the apples and blaming other horse. We should never know. But feel free to Ouija board and communicate with the horse just to get his side of the story. But remember, use the horse Ouija board that does not have yes and no. Instead it uses yay and nay. As you can see, there is plenty of material in our books and podcasts for when we hear people say, where are all the animal ghosts and even ghosts of vehicles? But now we shall return to our other staple of the ghost hunting world, that of the floaty, multicoloured ladies. This time, a grey lady in Beamish in Durham. That's B-E-A-M-I-S-H. Lots of ghosts are associated with bridges and running water, and one theory is that ghosts somehow are helped to manifest in places with water. And bridges have huge amounts of paranormal and folklore activity associated with them, so perhaps looking for our grey lady is easier on Starling Bridge, where she's sighted, instead of searching in Beamish Hall, her other haunt. We have a rather sad tale. She was betrothed to somebody in a pre-arranged marriage, and instead of swiping right or left, or not returning calls, maybe even deleting them from Facebook, she took a rather more drastic action she hid in a trunk. Alright, that does not exactly sound too drastic, however, she does not seem to have realised how airtight the trunk was and suffocated. We have sightings this century, which is always great, as these types of ghosts tend to fade with time, and in 2004 she was spotted by a vet who was on a sponsored spook-spotting sleepover in Beamish Hall, raising money for charity. Recent sightings have been in the hall and on the bridge, so why not try and get sponsored for doing something you love doing anyway? Not sure how that works, however. Do you make more money the more ghosts you see, or do you raise more money depending on how many times underwear needs changing after you get terrified? One thing for certain is, if you're planning a haunted sleepover, take your teddy bear, especially if its name is Ted, as we go to Bearstead, Kent. Yep, that link was pretty much crowbarred in there, so that's B E A R S T E D. Right, also that you can go to a road leading to Pilgrim Way. So obviously, with a name like that, we are looking for... No idea. It might be a pilgrim, we don't know. What we do know is we have another horse ghost this time, with a rider on it wearing a big hat. From the descriptions, we might be looking for a cowboy ghost, maybe the spirit of the Lone Ranger. As it is said, he is on horseback and wears a large hat and silver spurs. There are even tales of people claiming to have conversations with him thinking it's a real person, until he vanishes. Now, off to Bebbington, Lancashire. B-E-B-I-N-G-T-O-N. Our previous ghost has an interesting fashion sense, and certainly better than the drab ghost is we have also had this week with a grey lady and now grey monks. Our monks are haunting the church and graveyard, yet they do not walk around these venues, instead they float or... Maybe they're wearing invisible roller skates, I don't know, who can tell, unless we spot them ourselves. So get there and spend some time looking for the monks, or if you fail, pack up and find some nuns instead. Instead of monks who float above the ground because the land level has changed, this nun probably wishes she could float or fly away, as she was apparently killed on her way back to the nunnery. We have no idea where she was, or where she was returning from, but she never made her journey, and is doomed to repeat it again and again, and is now seen on the Bolton Road. One of the best reports is from August 1970, when a person stopped their car as he saw her in the road, standing oblivious to her surroundings, and then she disappeared. Perhaps she was trying to hitchhike and find her way to Beckles in Suffolk. That's B-E-C-C-L-E-S. If you listen to our shows or read our books, then you know that Suffolk has more than its fair share of black shucks and phantom black dogs. Well, this time the albino dogs are out and about. Head to Beckles Cemetery and look for the Snow White Hound, which has reports of appearing and then fading from view. Whilst in the cemetery looking for a white dog, do some research about a local legend that of the Pied Piper of Beckles or at least a legend that seems like it may have borrowed somewhat from a town called Hamlin. Hopefully you're sat right now in Beckle Cemetery, and it is August the 31st. And I I won't go on and on again about how these ghosts never appear on their supposed anniversary dates, but if you're there on the 31st, then you stand a chance of seeing the Rat Catchers, who tried to remove the Black Death-infected wee beasties from their village. They went on the internet to find a YouTube video with instructions, a a how-to-remove-black-death-from-medieval-villages tutorial video, and somehow found the instructions that they must sell their souls to a group of witches, and thankfully, there just so happened to be a local coven of the aforementioned magical people. The witches then instructed them to play musical instruments as they marched down the road. This would lead to all the rats coming out to follow them, the local jazz trio did as they were instructed and some form of magical portal opened and the musicians and the rats disappeared through the gateway to hell only it was a one-way trip however the musicians are allowed to return for a brief respite once a year on august the 31st as starved as we are for live entertainment with all venues festivals and theaters being closed then perhaps this is our best chance of watching some live music and let's face it by now They must be good. They've had hundreds of years of practice. Bizarrely, they ended up in hell after selling their souls to witches, but another legend states they could have sold their souls to the devil. And so we can now do experiment time. In a park near Ruse Hall, there is a large oak tree that is said to be haunted by those once hanged there. One ghost is supposed to be a woman in white, so another chance to find a floaty female form on roller skates, possibly. And the interesting experiment we can do here, though, is selling our souls to the devil. What fun. As the legend is that he can be summoned by walking around it six times. Sadly, we have no instructions as to clockwise or anticlockwise. However, in my devil-summoning research, it tends to be anticlockwise though I cannot be held responsible if you end up summoning the ghost of an executed watch repairer instead of our infernal overlord Satan himself. Beckles seems to be full of stereotype ghosts and legends, as now we have a Headless Horseman. And yet again, it is a calendar ghost, but I am positive no one is going to be hanging around looking for this one as it is on Christmas Eve. So I think we can put this one down more to legend than actual real sightings, but if you're brave enough to head to Ruse Hall on Christmas Eve... To see the arrival of a coach driven by a headless horseman and pulled by a headless horse which travel down the driveway and vanish as they arrive at the front door, then do it on Christmas Eve. And if you see nothing, then you could earn a, a few pence by carol singing whilst you're there. Whilst there, see if you can find the oak, also known as Nelson's tree, look for the woman in white. We would like to ask her if she was one of the tree's execution victims or if she is mourning the loss of a loved one. Or maybe just out getting her daily lurgy lockdown exercise. Perhaps even have a go at selling your soul to the devil in exchange for some nice Christmas presents the next day. I am sure a PlayStation 5 is worth eternal damnation. If you could get into the hall, there are more legend-style stories, as on a wall within a bedroom cupboard, there is the imprint of a devil's hoof branded into solid brick. There is a spook inside the hall that can be viewed from outside as there is another tale that says there is a window at the hall which always opens itself, even when it's locked shut. We have more animal spooks next, this time in Beckenham, Kent. B-E-C-K-E-N-H-A-M. We need to find a field along Pickhurst Hill, and sadly that's all the directions I have, but there have been a few sightings of what is described as a white horse with a ghostly figure riding it. That's all I know about this one, not much to go on. So perhaps we need hundreds of paranormal tourists to turn up, and each of us stands near one field each, and if we see a white horse, we run up to it and start prodding it to see if it's real. Possibly it might be more sensible to ask the rider if they or the horse are a ghost, it might cause less legal actions in the long run... We shall not stop in our hunt for phantom animals as we go to Beckingham, Nottinghamshire. B-E-C-K-I-N-G-H-A-M. Every few stories, I seem to have to talk about yet another shuck. The description this time is a large black dog with glowing eyes, this time on the Old Trent Road. One local legend is that it drove a local farmer mad as the man tried to block its path. The creature's eyes then glowed, and he was left almost paralysed. From a medical point of view, it sounds like a local farmer had a stroke, and there may have been a large dog present at the, tr- at the same time. However, if you wish to have a stroke, or a local farmer for that matter, then try and find the dog. It's said to roam from the local church to nearby marshland before it fades away. Bedale, Yorkshire. That's B-E-D-A-L-E. Two interesting paranormal activities here, one of which can be experienced inside the car, so perfect for cold nights of spook spotting, we need to be on the A684 road leading to Leyburn. The road leading west from Beedale is apparently haunted by yet another misty figure floating around in grey this time. However, these tend to fade over time, so we could be in white by the time you get there. If you can park up, then head into the woods, as the mist is supposed to float through the woodland as well. One great theory we've talked about before on the show is that lots of these misty, cloudy, wispy figures are actually swarms of midges reflecting sunlight. But your eyes can trick you into thinking it's a human form due to the fight-or-flight response, as it tries to make a clear image with the limited amount of information it has. If you're in a car, then your brain is constantly worried about things such as idiots walking out in front of your vehicle, so anything that can be interpreted as a human form is seen as such, and if you're travelling at some speed then your brain is more likely to make that image than any other. Then, if you look in the mirror, there is no human form, thus giving the impression you saw a figure that disappeared. Bedford, Bedfordshire. We have a nice collection of relatively modern sightings in Bedford with road names, so a great opportunity to investigate. Bel Avenue and Doughty Avenue, that's B-E-L-L-A-I-R-S, and Doughty Avenue, D-O-W-T-Y, as there are reports of a female form being seen, and one report comes from June 1996. The witness was walking down Bel Air's Avenue. They could see what looked like a nun walking towards them in the middle of the road. He commented on the figure to his brother, who could not see her. As a car drove up the road, she vanished. The same witness said he spotted the same figure a few weeks later in Doughty Avenue. If you are walking the streets in Bedford, then head to the junction of Tavistock Street, Union Street and Clapham Road. If we could, we'd also travel back in time to Christmas in the early 1990s and we could see what these witnesses did. They claimed to see the infamous highwayman Black Tom. Before we get accusations of racism in this rather explosive and sensitive time, let's give you a little history lesson about Black Tom. He was a 19th century highwayman who was executed and buried at this junction with a stake driven through his heart to prevent his return. This is a common ritual, however it does seem to malfunction regularly as it did in this case where both he and another spook of unknown origin were seen countless times for years following his execution. Reports dating from the 1960s claim to have seen Tom in broad daylight, with witnesses stating that they also saw a rather gruesome addition to the figure's description as he would have had what looked like a broken neck and was staggering down the road, vanishing into thin air seconds later. The 1960s witness who spotted Tom claimed that he thought he was watching just a drunk man in fancy dress until he suddenly disappeared. These sightings tend to have a lot more credence as they do not come from nutters like us who are out there looking for spooks, independent witnesses who have nothing to gain and did not know about the ghost beforehand are always the best sources. If you do not wish to see a drunken highwayman staggering around then head to Noonan Avenue and the Methodist Church. The witnesses to this spook have claimed to see a well-dressed man who looked like he was creeping around along the back of the church. He was a suspicious-looking character and it got more bizarre when the figure walked through a wall and leaving what looked like a, a thin veil of smoke where it once stood. Other witnesses to the figure over the years claim it's been seen wearing tweed clothing. Bedworth, Warwickshire Sadly, I have found very few spooks to cram into today's show from anywhere other than England. So apologies to Scotland, Ireland and Wales and all the other parts of the British Isles. We must try harder. But to make up for it now, we have, sorry, another English one. There is an issue with ghost hunting in Scotland as they tend to be indoor spooks. Perhaps it's too cold outside. And in Wales and Ireland, perhaps ghosts don't like the rain. I remember once joking about the weather when ghost hunting in Wales, as I was recording for a radio show in our car on the way to a haunted pub on top of The Blorange. An excellent haunted mountain, but also the only word to truly rhyme with orange. We were driving along and made a comment about the fact that we were about to cross the border to Wales and we should get out the umbrellas. Then about 30 seconds later, we drove past the Croeso Cymru, or Welcome to Wales sign, and... It was as if someone turned on a tap and the heavens opened. Sadly, we couldn't use that clip on the radio show, it was just the pair of us laughing continuously. So, we are still in England, and a lovely part of it in Warwickshire, looking for yet again another floaty lady, this time in white. We need to be on the Bedford Road, otherwise known as Rabbit Lane. We have some well-documented sightings with relatively modern dates, so get down there and see if we can add a few more dates to this list uh seen in 2005 28th of may 2012 16th of december 2012 those are just dates i can find online there's other tales without dates and various details and descriptions so what is it we're looking for the legend states that there was once a woman who was attacked down this road and she later committed suicide as a result of her psychological trauma she is the phantom seen by the roadside either hitchhiking or waiting for a lift One witness described her wearing a long white dress, possibly a nightdress, and had long black matted hair. Another driver, heading towards Astley in May 2012, said she spotted the figure, this time at the roadside. And she had um, her hands against her face, uh, which on her face was this dreadful expression. Two more witness descriptions in December 2012 described a figure standing in the road with long black matted hair, although this time the figure was dressed in black. So, a woman in white... Or black, with long hair, possibly hitchhiking or waiting to be picked up. But a lot of sightings of a similar nature. So, worth a visit or two. Take a picnic and some chairs and set yourself up looking for a rather depressed suicidal woman. Beeston, Cheshire. That is B-E-E-S-T-O-N. If you are in Beeston, you need to find the Wharton Lock Bridge, where we might experience a spook with witnesses this century. One report from the 1st of August in 2008 at 9.30 in the evening claims that a hooded figure crossed the bridge and was spotted by a witness as she crossed the lock gate. The woman's husband was travelling under the bridge at the time. Although he didn't see anything, he felt an immense sadness and experienced a tingling on his face. So, go and get some phantom face tingling and ideally you could do it whilst researching from a great book called The Paranormal Tourist Guide to Gloucestershire Part 1 available on Amazon because this next section is actually from that book and a venue we have talked about before but we're going alphabetically so here it is we have again Bella's Nap in Gloucestershire this strange burial mound on top of a hill overlooking Winchcombe and Sudley Castle is a fantastic place to have an outdoor investigation because you can actually sit inside the burial mound if it rains Another great aspect about the burial mound is, for Ghost Hunters, is it's completely free and it's run by English Heritage. And as we all know, that's www.english-heritage.org.uk. On the website, it does have things like opening hours, but it's an outdoor venue completely accessible at all times of the day and night. There are, as usual, several speculations as to how the area got its name. One thing we do know is that nap, or knap, spelt with a C, means a hill. So there's no surprise that we're at the top of a hill. But the bella gives us more of a challenge. There are several names that bella could have derived from, including the the local name Bealdes, as B-E-A-L-D-E-S, as beelds or Beildis. It also could come from the old word for bee farm, as in beely, B-E-L-E-Y. So we may have a Bealds hill or bee farm hill. Now I prefer to think it refers to Bela Lugosi, myself, the star of many ancient horror films, and then it gives more of a spooky feel, so imagine yourself in the burial chamber of Bela Lugosi. I have taken part in a few paranormal investigations and we failed to experience anything paranormal whilst there. What we did find, which I've never seen before, were bright glowing glowworms. so please be very careful if you're walking around on top of the hill, as these are rare and beautiful creatures that need protecting and do not need to become part of the sole of your shoes when trampling over this ancient monster. Monument. I could give you a very long history lesson into long barrows, but let's give you the quick overview as there are lots of notice boards up there detailing all the facts and figures that you need to know. So here's the short version Bellas Knapp is a truly impressive Neolithic long barrow, about 180 feet long by 60 feet wide. What, you want more facts? Oh, alright. It has a false entrance at the north end and four burial chambers. The remains of nearly 40 people were found in excavations carried out at the site between 1863 and 1865, and again between 1928 and 1930, along with other remains including part of a boar's tusk pendant. For those believers in ley lines out there, the burial mound is thought to be situated on a ley line. So what sort of ghosties do we have here, I hear you ask? Well, we seem to have two types of paranormal happenings, firstly an apparition and secondly a poltergeist. One story tells us about an apparition or time slip. Our witness was stood at the top of the barrow and looked out across the fields to see a troop of monk-like figures walking along in procession. We thought we saw some glowing figures doing exactly the same thing when we were sat inside the long barrow looking out across the fields at two o'clock in the morning, only to realise it was some late-night hikers with torches on their heads. The next incident is a more famous story about the Barrow, um, and a family had decided to have a picnic on top of the burial mound and had gone to the trouble of bringing the full works, tablecloths, plates, crockery and of course, food. All of these items were weighing the tablecloth down, and we were told it was a perfectly still day. During their alfresco meal, the tablecloth with all the items on it suddenly flew into the air. Scattering the food and the picnickers everywhere. The rather upset family left in a hurry, not wishing to stay for dessert. We also have a story dating back to 1956 and a named witness by the title of RAF Liaison Officer for GCHQ, William James Hunter. He lived in a village near Winchcombe called Greet with his wife and two young sons. And he was driving near Bellasnap through a heavily wooded lane and was turning on a steep bend to the right and noticed out of the corner of his eye glowing in the darkness of the wood. I am immediately drawn to compare this tale with our nighttime hitchhikers, except for the fact that his lights were moving towards him and looked like they were on a head-on collision course. It seems he had the same thought as us that it must be someone with a torch, so therefore did not panic as he assumed the figure would see his car and move out of the way. However... As the glowing entity came towards him, it seemed to take on a more human form, and it seemed rather strange he dressed in a dull blue type of cloak. The description of the figure claims that it was bareheaded, but he could not recall seeing a face. And the figure carried on relentlessly towards the car. Mr Hunter, now rather unnerved, hit the brakes, yet the figure went straight through the bonnet, yet the car did not feel like it hit anything or make any noise. The figure, however, managed to continue on its path after walking straight through the vehicle and still glowing, it continued unabated through the woodland and up the hill towards Bella's Nap. As I said earlier, apologies to all our British Isles brothers and sisters as we have been very Anglo-centric this week. But next time we start with Belfast and then a couple of bends in Scotland. So until then... I can see the band trying to turn my microphone down and theirs up, so I need to say stay safe, stay sane, and keep spook spotting, and goodbye!